Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Hey everyone, Steve Green here, the Make the Grade podcast. I got a guest today, Jeremy Berger. Hopefully, I'm saying it right. Um, and uh, we're going to talk finances. Anybody uh, think about money, the importance of money, use of money, best uses of money, money in education, money in your retirement, money in your life? We got the good guy for this today. Jeremy, how you doing? Welcome. Doing well, thank you, Dr. Stephen. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you about this guy. I said it right. Burger, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It crazy okay. German spelling, but you did yeah, find like a funky spelling there. We'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, Jeremy is an asset manager. Mm-hmm. Started back in 2000 with the Y2K bug. Remember Y2K? That's kind of like way long ago now. At that time, his approach was called ITAM mm-hmm. in a way no one had tried before. And you can explain that because I'm not sure what that means. Uh, He began combining data theory with automation and self-governance while consultants were answering tickets and running inventories. So he's got some science here. He's got a system. I love systems. The pragmatic ITAM method, which he's invented, grew out of the success of his experiments. Today, companies and organizations hire Jeremy to implement better solutions to coach their team to ensure positive, permanent results. He's written a book. Congratulations. Rethinking Information Technology Asset Management. Oh, that must be what it sounds, stands for. And it is a bestseller on Amazon. We have had a series of bestsellers on this. It's cool. Uh, he tours the country speaking at tech conferences and symposiums. He is on the board of advisors of Neocore, a startup which looks to leverage benefits of blockchain tech, which is one of my, I love block tech stuff. Uh, and it's a soft in the software asset management space. It's also had burger consulting. Work for Mercy Health, Actos, JP Morgan, Chase, General Electric, and Tri Health. Man loves to travel. Um, and he's starting what to say it, staring at multiple monitors. Oh, staring at multiple staring, monitors. Staring, yes. Yeah, look, he's saying this thing. It's like it's like a font of one and a half. Here. Um, anyway, um, uh, and and he lives in Cincinnati mm-hmm. with his wife, his kids, and a very large dog so let's let's start out here Mm -hmm. uh you've been a money manager 20 plus years well it's not money manager it's actually hardware and software assets so it's much more focused on how organizations control their spend around laptops desktops office uh office subscriptions and the like um when you think about it most most medium and large organizations about 10% 10% of their uh, operational budget goes to the uh, IT department. And if you're not careful, that can you can keep feeding the beast and suddenly you've got issues, cybersecurity hit, um, license audit, where you're using more software than you paid for. And then you got to ask yourself as a business leader, where do we make that up? And it's almost always layoffs, pulled out, pulled out benefits, mm-hmm. and the really nasty stuff. So yeah, so I'm one of those folks that help those organizations keep from getting into that position. Jeremy, in general, 
Let's say mm -hmm. a typical company spends mm -hmm. what percentage of their cost on this sort of thing? It's around 10%. Okay. So, so it is not insignificant. Yes. No, not at all. You got a no. $100 million company, you're talking $10 million. Mm -hmm. And sometimes up, especially if that $10 million company is in uh, cutting edge technology, like, so you know, they do upgrading. a lot of computer assisted and the like, so it can even grow even farther. So how'd you get into this? You just woke up one day and said, well, I'm going to figure this out or. Uh, actually, uh, kind of, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. So let's take us through. So, so it, was, it was um, a dark, windy night in Cincinnati. Yeah, no, I was, um, so yeah. So if you think back to, uh, the, the can I say the turn of the century? Cause I mean, just Which, like that's really what it was. Yeah. Uh, anybody and their brother who could fog a mirror was being thrown at this problem with the Y2K. Yeah, and it was, all, you know, it was, they were like t-shirt. It was like a social oh, yeah. phenomenon. If you. Those of you who are too young to remember this or just forgot it, period. Right, yeah. right. And it was going to be the end. There's going to be a cataclysmic end of technology as we knew it. If we didn't fix it. So yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Did we overblow we it? it? We either it wasn't really a problem to begin with or somebody fixed it. <laughs> yeah, no. There, the, and it really was a bit of a problem. You would have had uh, a lot of systems and a lot of dependencies really struggle with this. And mm -hmm. so... Um, I was helping out a company. I was uh, fresh out of college and uh, hungry for a job. My uh, background actually was uh, philosophy and history from the University of Dayton. And uh, so, yeah, so kind of an odd pivot to go from liberal arts into computers. But um, I, I had a, um, you know, we did a good job. And my, uh, my boss at the time, my mentor, Bill Harley, uh, we finished the job and he's like, you know, I really don't want to lose you now that the, now that the issue's over. Uh, but we have a Microsoft, uh, license agreement renewal coming up. Can you figure out what we owe Microsoft and me being young and freshly married? It's like, sure, no sweat. That'll be easy. And, um, yeah, I, I have an act for this. And fast forward 20 years later, I've continued to keep doing that, keep refining, keep chipping away at this, uh, this problem. And um, yeah, to the point that I have a book and uh, a unique offering and decided to strike out on my own as a solo entrepreneur. When did, when did the book uh, timeline wise come into this? So um, it was, I started really getting into it about uh, the 2015, 2016 timeframe. Okay, um, nice. And um, I had gotten a really, uh, a really good win against um, Microsoft again. Hmm. Um, and I won't, I, I don't like to get too deep into the details, uh, you know, confidentiality with clients uh, and, and such. Point is you're on a roll. Jeremy yeah. is on a roll. That's all we need to know. <laughs> but um, we realized that we were able to save this one. It was a hospital, um, a, about a million and a half dollars out of their $15 million license 
Wow. subscription for Microsoft Office. Yeah, that's a lot of cabbage. It's a lot. Yeah. Especially with, with hospitals and healthcare, the, yeah, the right. Uh, right. margins are pretty thin. So mm-hmm. any little bit that we can get, we can help, you know? And so um, I was invited to make a presentation at the SAM Summit uh, in Chicago, where a bunch of like-minded people kind of come together. And I was throwing this out. And uh, at the end of the presentation, I had uh, a friend of mine come up. Sandy Conrad is her name. She works over at uh, uh, Infotech, which is a big uh, technology uh, research firm in Canada. And she looked at me point blank and said, nobody comes at this problem this way. You should write this down. (laughs) And it's like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And uh, it it took a couple of years, Um, you know, so that was 2015. I started my company in 2017 and the book is published in 2020. So it took a while. (laughs) So let's swing this in the direction of being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. At least a little bit. So you really didn't set out to be an entrepreneur, at least from what I'm hearing you say, right? No. Not at all. You got out of college. You needed a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of sort of lucked your way into (laughs) what turned out to be a a career. Yeah. Right. You liked it. You had some skill Mm -hmm. at it. You came up with a unique angle to it. Now you're an author. Now you decide to strike out on your own. I guess kind of maybe wrong word choice, but it's sort of in a consultative capacity, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're kind of doing the same thing now, but you're writing your own ticket instead of working for somebody else. Beautiful. What was that like? Describe Because we got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this. That's a cliff you got to jump off of for a lot of people into some shallow um, water sometimes. How, how, it, describe that experience for you, good and bad. Uh, unadulterated panic. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Panic. Now, um, in my family, I have uh, a lot of um, entrepreneur solo practices. Uh, one of my dad's brothers was a longtime dentist um, for a number of years while I was growing up. Um, I have a, uh, aunt that was a longtime, uh, beautician. Um, I had another uncle that ran a, um, ran a machine shop in, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, uh, or is it North Carolina? I get them mixed up. So I think there's one in each state. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Um, so I had this kind of like familial, um, uh, resources that I could tap into, um, and, and ask them, what's it like to put your shingle out? And how many of them said, Jeremy, run the other way as fast yeah, as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even put Everyone you got a great business. You're making, you're making bank. What are you doing? Yeah. This? yeah. Paul, no, my uncle, doing this to yourself? My uncle, Chris really gave me the finger whack. It's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, he was a dentist for 40 years and it's like, okay, so at what point in time do you stop waking up in the middle of the night in a panic? And he looked at it and he's like, next year, when hasn't I hasn't stopped yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, but look, look let, 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 mm-hmm. let's address this real quick. Cause yeah, sure. I want, I want to stay on point, but yes, yes. The, part of why people do that is because they're chasing a dream. Yeah. And they want right. freedom. They want freedom mm-hmm. to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had plenty, and I don't, this is in the direction we need to go, but I've had plenty of guests on this podcast and plenty of people I've spoken to who will tell you the importance of structure and yeah. process and operations. And that's all just a matter of doing business. And it's sometimes the reason why entrepreneurs don't succeed because they don't have good operational things. 
Mm-hmm. But in your case, it, it seems like you had an interesting niche. You had a niche that right. was really pretty unique. So I'm going to guess your biggest challenge was just getting clients to understand what you could offer right. that was different than was already out there. You had a unique value proposition. Exactly. Right? And okay. it, was, it was defining that value proposition that was really tough, right? Because I, being a full-time employee for an organization, your value proposition was already set for you right? It yeah. was in your HR description. So how do you craft something out of whole cloth that describes mm-hmm. what you do and is at least compelling enough for somebody to say, yeah, I'll put money down on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a really good piece of advice from a friend of mine, and he <laughs> he's actually the owner of a brewery here in Cincinnati hmm. um, that conveniently enough is about three blocks away from my house. Um, but his piece of advice was really clear. He said, there is always room in the market for good product. And that I really kind of took to heart, right? So in Mm -hmm. Cincinnati, we've got microbreweries popping up all over the place. It's, it's really a wonderful time if you're a bit of a, a sud head, right? Um, but for, for Andy's point of view, how do you compete with all of these people? His good product is unique recipe, great atmosphere. You compel people to come in and uh, you tell people about it and they come in and try it. So for my perspective, in the asset management world, uh, IT asset management, ITAM, there is not a lot of people that do this. Uh, a couple of years ago, LinkedIn did a study. There's only about 35,000 people in the world that are qualified to act as a ITAM or software asset manager, a SAM. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you think about all the companies in all the world, 35,000 people doing this. Yeah, so so you got a lot of business for everybody. Yeah. And then, um, you know, thanks to some of my friends like Sandy and and, uh, my uh, mentor, Bill, and and the like, I realized that um, I have a unique process for identifying the, the issues, for getting data correlated and organized quickly, and then being able to teach individual, uh, the, the other folks that are there here's how you do this. Here's what the warning signals are. Now you know better and get going, have at it. And it's been really successful. So that's when, when, you're, when you're thinking about striking out on your own, that, I, that one piece of advice I think really sticks with me. There's always going to be room for good product. You got to know what your market is. You got to know what your product is and you got to know what good means. Often when I talk to people in your, who went through this stage, mm-hmm. at some point there was some break there, mm-hmm. you know, they got, I don't know, they got a contract that springboarded them to other things or mm-hmm. whatever. Did, did you have an experience like that? Was there something that really got you in, in the major league, so to speak? I did. I did. It was um, actually a contact who had heard my presentation at um, uh, at the Sam summit and a couple of months later, they were actually having trouble starting up their own program at his company. And on a lark, he reached out to me 
And it's like, look, we're having some of the same problems that you had talked about. How, how do I solve this? How, how do we go about this? And the more we started talking, the more I realized, you know, I, I could be helping more people. Like instead of being in my own company or, or as a full-time employee for somebody else, there's a need out here. And um, Scott was his name. And he was really helpful in giving me that first shot, that first uh, at bat. And um, after that, it has been, um, I won't say that it's easy, but it has been slowly but surely building up steam. So, yeah. You, that's, uh, could you have done both at least? If, like, did you quit your job and become an entrepreneur the next day or did you have a, a phase in, phase out? Because sometimes, listen, I know everybody wants to be an entrepreneur that wants to be an entrepreneur, but sometimes that safety net's nice. Well, you got health so, insurance, you got benefits. I mean, that's that's a nice little perk for a lot of people. Right, right. What was your I transition was, transition like, Jeremy? So I was I was very I am not just was but am very lucky that um, my wife has a very stable job and does a, does really good work uh, in the project management space. Okay, so, so you had that as a as a secure. Yes. So you have to we worry had, about health insurance or whatever. Right. She was okay. my safety net. Now the bonus is she's also a project manager. So when I told her this crazy idea, she's like, fine, but you're going to have a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, you know, yeah, that, yeah, she's should be saying that to you. I've right? got, I'm, I'm probably one of the few people that have a Kanban and I have meetings with her and it's like, here's what's on and here's the ticket on that ticket. You should see the scribbles on my whiteboard. Yeah, she keeps me on a short leash. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Do you, to, to know when the right time is. I was very lucky. Very critical. That these, the, the, a lot of the uh, household concerns uh, were already it could be taken care of with just her salary. So, so you weren't really... bootstrapping in the traditional sense. Correct. You had a job, so hopefully you had some capital saved up. You had contacts right. from that job, so you were in a good spot. How much did your book help you or help propel you in this journey? Did it create more status for you? Did it kind of level you up to some degree? Exactly. It is, it's both a loss lead and credentials. Yeah. So um, it becomes, uh, you know, I pass it out like candy. I mean, between you and me, it's great. Uh, but I have a very understanding uh, publisher, um, business expert press. I'll give them a quick plug. They're, um, they're really good um, as a, um, a technical um, manual and how-to process. Um, and, um, so yeah, so I treat it as kind of the next step beyond the resume, you know, almost, mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk to the person that wrote the book? You know, so nice. a lot of times my conversation is at a convention or a speaking engagement, look here, you know, have a free copy on me, happy to give it to you. Um, but here's the chapters that I think would really help you with your struggle. And if you think that you need more help, then give me a call. And so that's been the real mechanism. I don't ever pretend to want to make money. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> well, it, no, it, it's exactly the same mm -hmm. strategy, I guess, if that's what I use with my book. Oh, yeah. I wrote it as an information source. 
mm-hmm. partly to really be an information source, but also to elevate my stature, not mm-hmm. in an ego way, but in a professional way. Oh, yeah. And also to give some credibility because I had a circle I ran in and people knew me and knew what I was doing. But as I broke into new areas, especially nationally, because I've been in the virtual teaching space for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, not just since last March. And um, so, you know, when you're an unknown quantity and you're an unknown commodity in, in a market, you need to have something to hang your hat on. Right. So to be able to say, you know, like best-selling author, you know, get my book, go to my website, you know, get a mm-hmm. free excerpt or free video from it, whatever, mm-hmm. um, peep, that creates credibility and sustains sure. it. Well, um, are you, are you, uh, did you like writing the book? Was it a labor of love? Or did you have to like pull it out of yourself? No, I hated it. <laughs> I really <laughs> did. I hated it. A, I realized very early, I am not a writer. You know, I've got patience, this idea, but I sit down and pound on keyboards, just cannot do it. Do you know how I wrote my book? Well, the, the first one I wrote. I literally, I had an old phone. I had an original iPhone, like the yeah. iPhone, like the one that was sort of circular in the back. Right. I dictated, I, I discovered the um, voice memo. Yes. And I literally just talked the phone. Mm-hmm. I talked the phone into, um, or talked the book into my phone, sent it to a transcription service. And it was actually kind of costly back then. Now they're cheap. Mm-hmm. And then I took that, I got it back as a, a text file put into word or whatever I was using at the time and tweaked it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, so really it was kind of painless. And I, I, I was always a big blogger, so I like to write, but, ah, but so, blogging is different. That's like, you know, it's 15 sentences. I mean, that's yeah. A book you have to have so much more continuity. And, and, and mm-hmm. I just wrote a chapter in a book and even that was uh, more work than I expected. Writing mm-hmm. is work. Writing it is. is. Not, oh Yeah. I mean, I have a lot Absolutely. of respect for professional writers. It's it's uh, it's an art, but mm-hmm. it's also a, a so detail oriented. Um, so what do you give? Give me an idea, because mm-hmm. I think this can be interesting. What's a typical day like for you, Jeremy? You, you, I mean, assuming you're engaged, <laughs> not not on Sunday, you know, when you're chilling. But oh, sure. what's a typical business day for you? Like, are you engaging with different clients? Are you typically with one client for a, a extended amount of time? Yeah. So um, the and again the the process that I have it, it's it's very repeatable it's very consistent so that's usually exactly you're you're exactly right that's how the the day goes um, so start and um, you know address the boss and tell her what I'm doing <laughs> and the whole project management thing um, but uh, typically I have two to four clients. Uh, in flight at any given time. Um, uh, And there's different phases that I walk them through. So um, some clients end up having to have more of my time and attention uh, and dealing with their details than some of my others that are either at the tail end or uh, have a different uh, issue that needs to be addressed. So uh, a lot of my day then uh, is started by organizing what do I want to do for today? Um, and uh, at the beginning of the week, it's a question of not just Monday, but the entire week um, and try to anticipate what needs to be done and what is going to get done and where I might have 
uh, some issues come up in trying to anticipate that you're going to get uh, uh, run into issues uh, along the way. And it's okay, right? Um, one of the one of the things, uh, you know, again, tip of the hat to the project managers out there, don't assume that everything's going to take a whole, uh, the entirety of your time. Make sure there's a little bit of a buffer in there in case of an overrun. Your real productive hours is not eight hours a day. It's really six because you've got emergencies that come up, telephone calls that happen, and all these other things that end up pulling you away. So in planning out my days, I try to put that into, uh, take that into consideration. So yeah, that's that's what the day is. And then from there, it is meeting with a client, organizing, uh, receiving some of their data, organizing it into the charts that we need, uh, and then, uh, you know, teaching uh, the, the client, Hey, here's, here's how this works. Here's how you develop this report. And here's the warning indicators, the signals that we're seeing inside the data. And yeah, so wash, rinse, repeat. Um, how do you get access to all this information? Do they have to, it's like an audit you do. Do they have to open correct. their books, so to speak? Correct. Ah. Correct. I told you the phone might ring. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. I'm surprised. Again, the four legged doorbell should be going off for uh, to announce the mailman's arrival. So, anytime now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to wrap uh, it up pretty soon. Hey, by the way, <laughs> let me do this real quick. This is the Make the Grade podcast. Steve Green, your host. My guest is Jeremy Berger from the beautiful town of Cincinnati, Ohio. We're talking about asset management, not money, but tech. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool angle on this. This is all about, this podcast is simple. This is about giving you actions to help accelerate your journey to success. In this case, we're talking about process. Mm -hmm. Had so many different guests on here. It is so important to have operational processes in place. I don't care what you're selling. I don't care what you're marketing. I don't care what you're doing. If you're not consistent in how you deliver, you're probably not going to stay in business very long. Believe mm -hmm. me. I've been in business 26 years. That's one of the things I pride myself on is I have systems intake systems, outtake systems, instructional systems. Um, Jeremy, where are you going with all this? Where, where do you see yourself in, uh, I don't know, five years, eight years, six years, pick a number. Oh yeah. Retired. Is, is this like a, is this an expanding market? I mean, cause everybody's got tech. Well, that's you know, not going that's, away, right? It's not going away. There's, there's not a lot of people that can do this, but there's plenty of demand and um, mm -hmm. More and more demand is coming. It's almost outstripping the, the ability of folks to be able to deliver. Um, in my book, I actually put in a chapter on where I see things going. Oh. And I see two, two types of technology that are really, uh, that's really going to be instrumental. The first is what you call a digital twin, right? And mm, there's been a lot of press twin. around uh, social media, metaverse, um, in, in those sorts of, of things. Um, and digital twin is actually that. It is a representation of what's going on in the real world inside the computer model that you make. And how well do you measure what's going on in the real world so that the digital world is as close to actual as it can be, right? So one of my favorite 
uh, examples of this are aircraft engines. Not just because I worked at General Electric, but um, it, it's it's something that if you if you know how an airplane works, um, there's almost always you know there's always the pilot and the co-pilot, and then on the bigger planes there's the flight engineer who is paying attention to all the knobs and dials for the jet engines, and that job is getting taken over by computer systems because it's really easy for sensors in the jet engine to tell the engineer or a computer engineer what's going on with that jet engine. And, you know, things like, well, maybe it's running a little rich. So you want to pull back on the fuel consumption mm-hmm. a little bit, or, you know, you get uh, the air is a little extra heavy because you've got a, a cloud you're flying through. So you need to adjust things on the fly. Well, what that is, is a digital twin. So what happens if you have a computer simulation that says, okay, we know from this other sensor that we're gonna be going into a little bit of weather. We're gonna need to reroute. We can change, let's assume these changes in the jet engine, will we make it or not? Or you know what other things could happen? And so it's, it's almost that, like an AI sort of thing. Exactly. And it's that hmm. meshing of things that so if it's like able, real data being used to project what ifs. Right. And then push into decision making. So hmm. a pilot or a co-pilot can say, well, maybe instead of flying straight through this thunderstorm, we need to go this direction and how yeah, far away. And not run out of gas. Or, and not run out of gas and <laughs> not bounce the passengers all around because there might be pockets of turbulence. And Mm. it's these things can happen on the fly. Um, There's uh, a lot of uh, excitement around prototyping, uh, manufacturing uh, items, and what the overall cost is going to be for uh, redesigning the assembly lines. So if you- In other words, automation. Right. So if you have a supply, you don't really think of it that way. Usually I'm trying to interrupt you. I think usually people think tech, they Mm -hmm. think the laptop or whatever sitting at somebody's desk. Right. They don't necessarily think about the computers that are controlling, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, putting a screw a million times an hour into an engine or uh, putting uh, bottles into a box or the things you see in these, uh, you know, well, in Mm -hmm. documentaries or whatever, in my case. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I didn't, and I didn't really think that either. It just, just kind of yeah. popped in. Well, so this so, is all within your purview, what you can analyze, recommend, consult. Right. So, so we have hmm. a tool called a configuration management database that for the longest time has been a one-way flow of data. It's us putting in purchase orders of serial numbers of the computers, who's logging into them, and what they're running and great. That doesn't really tell us anything, but if we can start getting some two-way communications, this computer is suddenly logging into a new website. Why is it doing that? This this other server is getting hit with a IP attack. What other servers run that same configuration that might get targeted next? And so you get these like inspirations in the patterns that the human can then, the human element can then come in and say, 
hey, we need to head this off at the pass before it becomes an even bigger issue. So the use of technology now becomes a driver in cost optimization. How many people are really using this expensive software? Do we really need to keep buying that expensive software? Are we getting a return? Are the users actually using it? Or do they fire it up once and then leave it in the background? Well, if they're doing that, we can pull that away and give it to somebody that really needs to use it. And so that configuration then can start to happen on the fly. And it's really exciting stuff. Now, this is so like, in a way, this is like, so future shock. Remember that book? Mm Mm-hmm. You, I mean, some people out there may not. That was written in like 1970s or something and uh, predicted a lot of these things and mega trends, yeah. you know, these whole ideas. It's clear. I mean, I'm not, I'm in an education. I'm in, I'm mm-hmm. in one of the last, obviously, a lot of tech in education. Yes. But it's still a lot of times things being transferred around. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. The, um, <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of things going on like this. But mm-hmm. there's definitely been an infiltration of tech. I mean, I can tell you, I'm in yeah. schools all the time. You mm-hmm. talk about inefficient use of technology. Right. They buy stuff. They don't. I mean, they kind of catalog it. Usually, there's some teacher who doesn't have anything else to do. They become the tech guy till they oh, finally yeah. bring in the IT people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hey, yeah. let me ask you one last thing. Then we're going to sure. kind of wrap this together. Um, how would somebody get a hold of you? Do you have any, uh, you know, anything else you want to talk about? We haven't gotten oh. into, but listen, yeah. how would somebody reach out to you if they want to have a discussion with you or maybe want to engage with you? The the easiest way is to visit my uh, visit my website, uh, burgerconsulting.com. And it's B-O-E-R-G-E-R, but uh, Google can figure it out, I promise you. Um, and um, also you'll find me on Twitter, um, uh, pragmatic ITAM and, um, that and LinkedIn, please feel free. Um, to, and all uh, this will be in the show notes. Nice. Sure. Um, and your book once again is called, and where can people get it? Thinking information, technology, asset management. It's a, um, it's a bit of a mouthful, but, (laughs) um, the, the, um, the, the, the publisher is, uh, it's actually part of a series that the publisher offers. Uh, we're, we're very excited. We're, we're seeing some interest in, uh, masters of it programs. I'm, I'm getting the feeling uh, Jeremy, Jeremy's not going to come out and say this, but you, you're really kind of a pioneer here. I, I mean, you, you don't have to be modest. You, you have to a degree, maybe not the mm-hmm. only person, but you've really created almost a, a niche that you become the expert in your own niche. It's, it's, it's amazing. You should, you should, this is a congratulations. I, this is Thank really you. good because Thank this you. is not something, look, this is not something personally I'm, I'm that involved in because I'm not, I don't have $10 million mm-hmm. into tech, but it's clear that if you are managing that and you got licenses and you got leases and you got software that you mm-hmm. have to upgrade every year and technology, you got to change every year because it's becomes obsolete. The, the, it, it's never a fixed cost. I mean, I, 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 I got a couple laptops. I maybe buy a new laptop every three years. My mm-hmm. IT expenditure is not going to break the bank, but right. if I had 5,000 computers mm-hmm. and I'm constantly cycling through and everyone has licensed software, that's 300 bucks a year. Then you got the antivirus stuff and the link right. to this and the cloud stuff. I mean, and, and you're a $2 million company and you're spending 700,000 on your tech, man, Jeremy's yeah. doing it all, man. Hey, um, Anything else you want to add before we go into our close? 
Oh, geez. No, on, and I, let me do it this way. Let me make it more specific. <laughs> what advice would you would give to a student or an entrepreneur that had a vision like mm-hmm. you did, maybe mm-hmm. isn't even clear, but they have a vision somewhere on how to make it come into reality. Oh, geez. And you, um, got, you got, you got 60 seconds, 60 seconds. I'll give you 15 to think about it. Hey, so this podcast, we do it every, every day, almost. Um, if you want to be a guest on the podcast while Jeremy's thinking, um, just reach out. I'm always looking for guests. Look, you never know what you're going to learn here. It's one of the beauties of it. I enjoy it. I hope you're getting as much out of it. The best thing you can do to help me, if you want to thank me, is share this. Because the more people to get this information, and even one person's life is positively impacted by this, I'm happy. That's the only thanks I need. Jeremy, what yes. advice would you give? <laughs> I feel like I got to be like the great Karnak. I only put the... He's got it. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, um, the best advice is do not do this alone. Mm. Okay. Too Say often, that again, because that is excellent advice. Do not do this alone. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I have a very understanding wife slash project manager that uh, indulged me and is able to keep the lights on and the wheels turning here at home so I can pursue this. I was able to tap into the entrepreneurial knowledge of a couple of family members. And I was given some really good advice from some other entrepreneurs on how they got started. These kind of podcasts like yours, Dr. Steven, this this teaches you, this helps you. You cannot figure this out on, on your own. All the other big tech entrepreneur folks, they all had help too. Absolutely. And you don't expect you're going to be able to do this all on your own. Yeah, you, you don't, you don't see the wrongs on the ladder when you get to the top is, is, is a very apt saying. Um, I remember when, uh, I remember, and I forget the gentleman's name. He was the head of the European Space Agency. And uh, they, they were just about to land that probe on a uh, asteroid. And he said very quickly, success belies effort. You see something that's successful, think it's easy. odds are really good. They were working their tail off. It was not easy. That's why I say find help. It's okay to find help. Find, you are not going to be the expert in all things business but you can find people who are, and they will be more than happy to help you out. Generally. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're right. The right. You're, ones will be <laughs> everybody. I think most, unless they have time mm-hmm. constraints is happy to help you. Oh, sure. Yeah. This is awesome. Hey, you want to play everybody's favorite make the great podcast game? Oh, no, it's good. It's, easy. Sure. it's clean. It's clean. Nothing okay. Clean. It's called my fave, your fave five. Fave five. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. This is easy. Uh-oh. This is much easier than writing a book, believe me. <laughs> I'm going to say something, and you tell me your favorite thing in this category. So we'll start with Ooh. an easy one, okay? Ooh. Yeah, no, it's okay. Don't overthink it. It's like a Rorschach kind of thing. Uh-oh. Color. <laughs> color. Green. Nice. Best, one, best answer you got. No, blue. Oh, wait. No, <laughs> color. Green. That's right. It's my favorite color, too. Everything. I got everything green here. I got a green oh, ball. Nice. I got green chapstick. I got green. I don't know what this is. Something whatever that is. <laughs> I got a green pencil. Yes. I got a green cover for my microphone. There you I, uh, go. All right. This one might be a little harder for you. Okay. Favorite place to vacation? Key West. 
Oh, Key West. Yeah, Key West. We've been there a couple of times. It's, yeah, big Jeremy Buffett. What's that place? Mallory Pier, Mallory Point. Mallory Square. Mallory Square, watch the sunset. Oh, yeah. That is awesome. That is really awesome. Food. Tacos. Tacos. That you know. Uh, what? From Cincinnati, you have to say Cincinnati chili three way, and it's like, no, I'm really? I'm a transplant, so I'll say tacos. Now, where are you from originally? Uh, Greenville, Ohio. Oh, let's see. Which is like, just it's not like you move from like I have, Arizona to Cincinnati. Yeah, no, just not. But no, I tell you, that's you know that comfort <laughs> food, the crunchy shell with you know. Yep. It's funny the guy. I, I did another interview today, and he said tacos also. I tell you, no. It's... But he but he wrapped them. He took them out of the crunchy thing and put them in like a tortilla wrap. So I said, oh, isn't nice. that a burrito? No, it's tacos within a burrito. Uh, yeah. So wait, since does Cincinnati have like a famous? Like I'm from Philadelphia. Philadelphia mm-hmm. cheese steaks. Cheese steaks. No, it's yeah. it's Cincinnati style chili. chili. Really? Yes. I, yeah, I got it. I've never it heard of it. It's good. Well, it, it's <laughs> it, it is not chili. And that's the thing that trips people. What's up, it made right? of? What's it made of? Um, so it's uh ground beef, but right, then right. it's the secret spices. So you get oh. cinnamon, nutmeg, dark chocolate, just a little bit of dark chocolate, chocolate. then you get some other um, there's some other spices in there. Is this like in a bowl in. or like you eat it like soup kind It's of? served on top of spaghetti. Really, and then they will also layer uh, kidney beans and uh, uh, white onions, diced up white onions, and uh, mounds of shredded cheddar cheese. Okay, so there's a whole story behind it. If you guys want to look it up, do look it up. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this. It is okay. actually good. It is actually really good. Yeah, I know it, that it, sounds hey, nothing. What's not to like? It, it is really good, but it is not chili in the sense that you think chili so if you're going to approach it as oh this is going to be great chili you're going to be it's so not chili like in uh, tijuana but yeah it is it's good hearty working stiff okay. food and that's what cincinnati does okay hey learn something new every day yeah. music music where do you stand on music oh um uh, uh, are you talking like genre? Or are you talking hey, like genre, uh, artist, song? You, so, you no, know. nah, uh, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, we're big pair Key West, look at you. So, okay. yeah, Key West, uh, Cincinnati, Jimmy uh, Buffett. Wasting away in, in Margaritaville. Uh, That's right. His uh, next concert just got like announced. Yeah. Son of yep. son, son of... We've been to every concert since, uh, since uh, 99. Really? Nice. No, 2000 and, 2002. Look at you. You got a Margaritaville in Cincinnati? Uh, we Probably used not. to. We didn't. Did really? uh, it didn't didn't take. No, it ah. was. Um, yeah, but he he comes through Cincinnati for a for a uh, um, concert every year. Sure. It's like clockwork. Yeah, there you go. Made enough money to buy up Miami, and it went and pissed it all away. There you so go. You name that song. <laughs> Is that Son of a Sailor? Oh yeah. No, no, yeah. no that's um, that's uh, Pirate Looks at Forty. Pirate Looks at Forty. That's right. He yeah. wrote that for his bartender. Actually, people yes. think it's about him. It's actually about his bartender. Right. Right. Anything on your bucket list you want to share? Um, yes, I want to buy a sailboat. That's that's kind of the thing. Um, a, well, I've got three kids that are getting ready to go into college. So um, it's it'll so have is this to be like a midlife that. kind of thing, Jeremy. Kind of. So when I was younger. Um, I actually, my family actually lived for a couple of years in the Southwest corner of Missouri. Hmm. And there's a little, uh, it's actually not little, it's actually a pretty big, 
uh, power reservoir uh, built by the Corps of Engineers in Stockton, called Stockton Lake. And it is the best inland sailing experience that you'll ever have. It is really? absolutely huge. You will Dang. see um, 20 foot sailboats are actually pretty common, but there are a couple of of blue water sailors, the, the 32, 35. Like real, real boats. Real big ships. Ones. They're ships. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. We, not only did we learn an incredible amount about tech and asset management, we're learning all about uh, It's like you could be a travel guide. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I hope this should be an easy one for you. <laughs> yeah. This should be an easy one for you. Tech gadget. Oh, um, I tell yeah, you. And I'm, I'm, you can say more than one. I'll give you two here. Oh, you'll give me two? Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I'm um, assuming you're a tech guy, right? So you gotta <laughs> so um uh 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 Tesla. I, I've gotta go with Tesla. Um and that's, the, that's a gadget. that's more than a gadget, but okay. well it, it's an expensive gadget, yeah, but it's that dollars gadget, but yeah. <laughs> well, but the auto driving piece was at, is absolutely incredible it it blows your mind scares me i don't know how much i could trust that well you know uh you shouldn't yet i mean there's still a (laughs) lot it's cool until it until it forgets where it's going but it's where it's at right now the concept's incredible okay take me home i can take a nap yeah but i don't don't know man well and you can't do that yet right but when you're on the highway and there's you know little chance of things like flying at you it, it can happen you don't want to be fully reliant on it yet yeah 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 but yeah, I, I got you if you've got to take a long drive you know and you're constantly worrying about speed and how close and what's that other guy doing no I, robot, I love the concept I just something something about it and I, i'm a tech person yeah well uh you're a football guy you ready for the Bengals game this weekend uh yes um i'm Uh-oh. a chiefs Uh-oh. fan Oh, whoa, 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 oh, yeah. whoa. Oh, yeah. oh man. <laughs> All, right. All right. Just just to frame this, uh, yes. the Chiefs and the Bengals are in the championship game on Sunday. Right. Chiefs are there every year lately. Now, nah, Bengals was not since 1981, or I don't know, the last time they were in the 89. playoffs. 89. 89. So, uh, Jeremy, you not even been born yet. Um, yeah. All right. well, geez, yes. right. well, maybe that was so, a bad question. Are you excited for the football game? <laughs> I really that? am. I really okay. am. Uh, especially <laughs> after last weekend. That was that was incredible. Talk about heart in your throat. That's that's yeah. that's the kind of, of thrills that you want to see. Yeah, that was exciting. It was. And, uh, yeah, it was so awesome. Yeah. If you if anybody out there is listening to a football fan, you know what we're talking about. Right. Last one. Yes. And this is kind of a trick question. I'll tell you. Uh-oh. What's your favorite podcast? Oh, well, make a difference. Make the grade. There you go. The make the great podcast. Jeremy round the table. (laughs) Hey, and you even got the, you even got wonderful. (laughs) Jeremy, listen, seriously, this was, I enjoyed this. This is something I gotta be honest. I don't know a whole lot about you educated me and even better. I hope you educated everybody who's listening to it. It's a really cool niche. And I think it's only going to get bigger. I think you, you, you know, you you can only go up here in terms of what you can offer. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, maybe we get you back on here when you, when you got something to say. Um, and that's it. Hey, this podcast, it's all about actions that you can use to further and accelerate your class to success, not in the automated Tesla way, but in a <laughs> purposeful, operationally driven way. Right, Jeremy? That's and, right. And uh, that's the idea, right? So uh, mm-hmm. any feedback? And, and I was saying, I was, I was making a little bit of a joke, but seriously, 
the best way anybody can thank me for doing this is to share this. Not because I care about a million listeners, but because if anybody can be impacted in a positive way and get motivated and get some mentorship by listening to this, I consider that a win. I appreciate that. Jeremy, I'll give you the last word here. I, it's been a pleasure, Mr. Uh, Dr. Stephen. This is just absolutely great. Uh, I really enjoyed my time here too. And um, in the theme music. Huh? Oh, yep. Here comes. Okay. The so no, no, this is where the, uh, you know, they, they walk it off after the Oscars when you're talking too long. Right. So you really you like the it. Academy. <laughs> no, Mom, thank you very much for the opportunity teacher. forward to talking to you and your audience again. Sometime we got it. We'll see everybody next time. Good luck and, all uh, stay healthy. Hasta luego. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.